Hey, it's Sarita. It doesn't matter how old you are. We all have to navigate love, life, work, and the rest of the world. But you don't have to do it alone. I want to introduce you to Taylor, Jennifer, and Cheryl, three black women speaking across three generations, tackling the questions that bring us into focus. This is When the Magic Happens, a new weekly podcast made by and for black women across generations. Today, we want to share an episode where the women discuss glass cliffs, glass ceilings, and different approaches to achieving goals. Plus, you'll also hear from their guest, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, who discusses political ambition, haters, and media frenzies. We hope you enjoy it. And if you want to hear more, search for When the Magic Happens from WBEZ and start listening today. Three Black women, Cheryl, Jennifer, and Taylor, across three different generations, tackling topics you thought were taboo. Swallowing that pain, that has got to stop. Mm -hmm. Sharing laughter, tears, and everything in between. What does he look like? (laughs) This is When Magic Happens. Welcome to the first episode of When Magic Happens. I'm Cheryl Jackson, a healthcare CEO, political veteran, and a proud member of the 50s Club and Gen X, period. I'm Jennifer Long, a.k.a. Shay Love. I'm an all-in mom spin queen whose love language is music. And if we're doing generations, then I'm repping the millennials. And I'm Taylor Coward, a TV lover and your resident Gen Zer, learning how to navigate life, love, career, and everything in between. Each week, we'll tackle very real topics that affect us, that affect you, and that affect our larger communities. And we'll be coming at everything from our unique generational perspectives. Three brilliant Black women from three different generations tackling the things that truly make us, us. We've always been magical. So when we come together like this, that's when magic happens. Today on When Magic Happens, we're kicking off the series talking all about ambition. Is it a good or a bad thing? How does it impact how we succeed as Black women? How has it changed through the generations? And then later, we'll be hearing from a magical woman who knows a thing or two about embodying ambition, Illinois Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox. But first, what does ambition mean to me? It's really... An internal guide. Like, I just feel something that is driving me, that is pushing me to achieve something greater, that's connecting me to my dreams and kind of giving me the direction that I need to actually execute what I'm imagining and then and then seeing that. That's what ambition is to me. Hmm. How about you, Taylor? What's ambition? Ambition is that inner drive you have to get a thing done, whether it be resealing your bathtub, something I've been putting off, or, you know, going to school, you know, just it has to be a little something in you that's driving you to do something. Mm -hmm. For me, ambition is feeling empowered. That's a good word. Yeah, empowered to pursue a dream or a desire to the fullest extent. When I ran for U.S. Senate or when I was Thinking about running for U.S. Senate in Illinois, I struggled with whether or not to do it because I didn't feel empowered. There was no choir of people saying, yeah, Cheryl, go Mm -hmm. for it. It was the opposite, actually. And I had to really 
dig way down and be the lone voice advocating for myself against so many other voices and even my own voice. When the things your voice was telling you originally when you were like, yo, I'm going to run, did your voice change when other people weren't supportive of your dream, of your vision? No, my voice didn't change, but it was just another weight to knock down. Mm. You know, that's what I mean, you know, just kind of being empowered. Mm -hmm. White men are empowered to pursue their foolish ideas and ambitions to run for president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, they're even tapped. They're groomed for this. They're empowered vis-a-vis me, one, looking around, not seeing anyone that looks like me. I was the only black woman in the race. But then you've got the added weight of other voices mm. telling you why you shouldn't and why you don't deserve it. That's tough. That is tough. People talk about toxic ambition. What does that mean to you? Is it the obstacles and the toxicity around someone being ambitious? That means you'll do and say anything, you know, mm-hmm. folks. Go to jail for that. Okay. Right. I, right. I just found a good random Google list. Here are the telling signs your ambition is becoming toxic. One, you're unable to enjoy the present moment. The destination seems more important than the journey. I can relate to that. I'm always thinking about what's next. What do I need to do to land here? Who do I need to meet? Who would I need to talk to? And I'm not even sitting back and enjoying a Friday. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You crave high speed. You're anxious or depressed. You're jealous of the successes of others. You avoid interactions that won't further your goals. That's a big one. Like I didn't encounter that till I got to college and people were having like networking outings Mm -hmm. and like, let's meet for coffee to talk shop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, like this feels very serious. And I think that is a mark of highly ambitious people when they ask, let's meet for coffee. You're like, you just don't want coffee with me. You want to take my job or something. (laughs) Um, And I don't think that we acknowledge that we do some of those things every day. The things I just said from that list, Mm -hmm. because as I read them, I'm like, oh, I'm the problem. I'm the drama, like toxic ambition. That sounds like stuff that I'm always doing and thinking about. And so does that mean that that's America? Does that mean that that's black women? Does that mean that it's my generation? I don't know where it's coming from. Some of those things on that list Mm -hmm. are inherent of being a black woman trying to get ahead. It's not going to fall in your lap. Mm -hmm. And there are forces that are afoot that's very limiting. They're keeping you out, whether intentional or unintentional, Mm -hmm. from your dreams and abilities and potential. So, yes, you you better work a plan. Yeah. You better find somebody to have coffee with. But do you find that, like, will you only meet with someone that you feel can further a goal? No. No. So then you're not toxically ambitious. Yeah. I have been in a situation where... What does he look like? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Jennifer. (laughs) I think I would be dishonest if I said that there weren't people that I were like, hey, I I need to keep a connection with them because this could be something professionally one day. And I think that's healthy. Now, if all of your relationships in your life were like that, Mm -hmm. then that's a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you've got to be strategic. Got to have some. Yeah. 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 Strategic. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, they're not coming for you. You got to come for them. Because 
are we being demonized (laughs) for being ambitious? That's what I'm saying. Girl, that's my point. I get it now. (laughs) Weaponized. The term ambition is being weaponized against us. You got it? Yeah, it just hit me. Because it's just like. Just just hang with TT. Wow. (laughs) It just like came out of nowhere. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Because. I don't know. Some, I guess those were natural things on that list, but they were being presented to me as things that are negative. And so now I just felt they were negative until you were able to be like, no, that's how you work. Right. And you have to put it in context. Yeah. And I'm not saying that if you aren't a black woman, we are the only ones facing challenges. You know, everybody's got a challenge as they advance their career. Mm-hmm. But these insurmountable barriers Mm -hmm. and you spend all of your energy. So there's glass ceilings, glass ceilings kind of apply to women in general, Mm -hmm. white women, all women. Then there are called glass cliffs. And that is largely for people of color Mm -hmm. where you get the most controversial work. Like a test. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. a test or they're expecting you to fail. And then you don't. And then you don't. That's when magic happens. That's when magic happens. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Jennifer, do you ever feel like you have to be superwoman to succeed? I don't feel like I have to be superwoman. I am superwoman. No, I'm playing. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we need to cue the music. Karen White. I'm not just superwoman. (laughs) You may do it and not even recognize it. You, You may do it unintentionally. My boyfriend pointed it out to me and I was like disgusted because <laughs> like what? Like what like, were you doing? I, no, I, I got the door. I got that bag. No, put that down. I can do it. You know, I'm always asserting my independence in a way that I guess would be a superwoman complex, but I don't do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. It's what was demonstrated by my mother who had to be fiercely independent. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just picking it up naturally. But I worry that if I have a daughter, will she too not let a man hold the door open for her? And, you know, like, mm-hmm. when does it become a problem? Well, when I think about being superwoman, like, as you know, I have two kids and I do multiple things. You know, I have I call it a profile of work. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I think about the definition of superwoman, it is doing all things, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to do all things. Mm -hmm. And what I have discovered is that it's okay not to be perfect at all of those things. I'm enjoying the journey. I'm enjoying this process. Mm -hmm. And part of the process is all of these different things, having to manage these different things. Part of my ambition, kind of, I like it, you know, I enjoy it. It fuels me. It gives me energy to be able to do all of these different things. And so when I think about being a superwoman, I think that's just part of what I'm doing. You know, like I'm not really intentionally being a superwoman. It's mm-hmm. just what you have. To I do. really am. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think sometimes in this um, world, particularly as you are really trying to lean into your ambition. Yeah. And just, you know, be what God made you. Just do yes. your thing. Okay. Yes. The emotional labor, it requires us to swallow pain. And that is what I think being a superwoman, where you are having to defy what's natural Mm -hmm. and 
swallowing that pain, finding a way to keep going. That has got to stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't come to this epiphany until I, you know, cancer and divorce mm-hmm. that um, my superwoman could not bring me back to life. Yeah. So it was it was learning how to practice grace with mm-hmm. myself. You know, and I'm going to be honest with you, Cheryl, divorce was what fueled me to be superwoman or to feel like I had the power to do things I didn't think I could and to be open to my own dreams and own the own the possibility of what I imagined I could actually I could do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a rebirth. It was. Oh, that's a good one. That's nice. That was. That's good. Brand that's new good. Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Shayla. Oh, bro. Oops. <laughs> Redo. Is that where Shayla came Shayla from? Are you Shayla or Jennifer okay. here? She like Both. Beyonce Both. coming up oh, with yeah. Sasha, Sasha Fierce. I'm Sasha Fierce. <laughs> I'm wondering about us all being different ages and the pressure that each of our peer groups puts upon us. Like Cheryl, do you feel that your personal attitude toward ambition is a result of the generation you're in? You know, how I differ from the generation before, before me, you know, like my parents and my grandparents cannot even imagine what they went through. Mm. I mean, I'm a child of the 60s, born in 65. But, you know, they went through Jim Crow. They went through slavery. And so that, that, that existence and that life just required them to grit their way through. So here I come along. I, I, I too, I was like, they were like, okay, girl, grit up. You know, you got to be super exceptional. You got to do this thing. But then I found this place of wanting to create, you know, and practice grace. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's a little different for for. <laughs> My the generation that came before me, where it was really about work, 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 be resilient, do it, you know, head down, yeah, suck it up, buttercup. And now I'm trying to operationalize grace in my life, mm. along with that grit. Mm-hmm. Now, what you said, Cheryl, got me thinking. Jennifer, do you think ambition is a good or a bad thing? Does it help us, or does it just get in the way? I have always thought that ambition is positive, you know, that the idea of ambition is really about pursuing a dream. And in my mind, pursuing a dream is always a positive idea with a positive outcome. And so I believe that ambition is positive. I think it is something that is positively driving me and hopefully others to pursue something that is is good. But I actually have learned different that actually ambition can be can be bad. What do you guys think? I think sometimes it can put a pressure on you to always perform your best. Mm-hmm. Like you can't slip. My family really championed me when I went away to college because they were proud of the college that I went to. Mm-hmm. And then when I transferred, I was like, whoa, I'm no longer the ambitious golden child because I left the school that everybody wanted me to go to. And that was all of my own creation. No one said that to me. That was just kind of like maybe the toxic side of ambition. It was like I was creating these false narratives out of what I perceived to be ambition. 
and that's pleasing other people and working hard and being tired because you're doing the greater good. And that's when you slip into that toxic ambition. I think ambition is inherently a good thing. But I think that there are societal sort of biases that can make it toxic. Mm. It depends on whose ambition. I think men, particularly white men, it's a trait that's attractive and even affirmed. But sometimes ambition is weaponized against women. Mm-hmm. I pray and wish and do everything I can do possible to make certain that the world doesn't burn you out. Mm. They let you just be brilliant. One of the most brilliant and ambitious people I know is this week's guest, Kim Fox. She's the lead prosecutor for the second largest county in the U.S. Annalise Keating ain't got nothing on her. More after the break. She's the first black woman to serve as Cook County State's attorney. She's also, full disclosure, a longtime friend of mine. Kim Fox is the perfect person to talk to about ambition, right? Well, we invited her into the When Magic Happens family to talk all things ambition, and she did not disappoint. I started the conversation asking about her ambition to take this incredibly difficult job. And surprisingly, this job wasn't part of the plan. She didn't even think about running for the top prosecutor job until another ambitious black woman, Cook County Board President Tony Pretwinkle, saw something in her. The state's attorney at the time, Anita Alvarez, was not willing to engage in the conversations with us. And what I saw was we weren't really going to move anything as a county with that elected official not coming to the table. And so it really was a conversation that I had with President Preckwinkle, who was very frustrated as well, and said, well, have you ever thought about doing it? Oh, wow. And I'll tell you, Cheryl, I was— How did you respond? I was shocked. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Huh? Uh, I I think I dropped my fork. I think we were having a meal. I loved what I was doing. And you watch the elected— And it's like, oh, you know, I'm feeding the elected. I feel like that's boring. And so when she said to me, have you ever thought about being elected? I I hadn't. Why why hadn't you? You, you know, were accomplished attorney. You've been in government. You're working for elected official. What kept you from even thinking about that as a path? How I grew up. Mm. I grew up um, in Cabrini. I grew up in the projects of Chicago in the 70s and 80s when Cabrini was literally crumbling around us. And I remember waiting for the bus in abandoned fields with, like, elect Jane Byrne posters. Right. And You didn't see yourself. No, I didn't see myself, and I didn't see the impact of politics. I didn't see—I I remember vividly being about six— And asking, like, well, what do those people do? Because 
it's still dirty right mm-hmm. here. Mm. And so I just had an inherent distrust of names on posters, but a true love for the people who did the work. And so I could see myself as a teacher. I could see myself as a lawyer in a courtroom helping an actual client versus being a figure. Because those people felt like figures to me. They weren't real. They They weren't weren't accessible. No, they weren't real. And again, they didn't look like me. And so when I worked for President Preckwinkle, here she was, a black woman, an unapologetic black woman, who wasn't just a figure. She was running the second largest. lady. Okay. Underscore, underscore. No better apprenticeship than to be with someone who was a powerful black woman figure running things, suffering no fools. And so having watched her lead unapologetically, lead with a sense of commitment to where she came from, it was the first time that I thought, because I saw it up close, I could do that. Right. I could do that. And so... So it sort of anchored your ambition. It kind of um, activated. That's the word. Activated your ambition. I knew I was capable. I just didn't know if the landscape would be welcoming for somebody like me. And the landscape was not welcoming to her. Fox told me about a lot of the racist, sexist things that were said to her, slurs, disrespect, and the outright hatred she had to deal with as the first Black woman in this role. You know, there was a march at my office in 2019. There were four white nationalist groups, including the Proud Boys, who came and marched on me. Wow. They were supposedly protesting because they didn't like how I handled a low-level, nonviolent case involving a celebrity, that right. there was police unions having no-confidence votes, a rally, white nationalist groups. No one questioned, hey, is this really about that? Or is exactly. This, this is now? an overreaction. <laughs> is right. This, this doesn't make sense. We... In the county where we have a police commander who was found to have tortured people, in the county where we were called the false confession capital of the United States, in a county where we had, I came in in the wake of the murder of Laquan McDonald, you mean to tell me that you're going to mobilize the wagon? Okay. You're going to have white national groups mobilizing because a D-level celebrity right. didn't go to jail. And it bothered me from the, like, who comes to help us, that the people who knew better didn't say, that's not what this is. That's right. Right? I became not a three-dimensional human being with, like, feelings or emotions. I became a character. And that, you know, honestly, Cheryl, what got me through it, I draw on the fact that I'm here which means that there was a lineage of folks who had endured indignities that I can't even imagine. Right. Whether it was, you know, being on the auction block or having your family destroyed or living through Jim Crow South or watch like I I I don't come here. I didn't I wasn't born of a pod. I came of a lineage of women and men who survived enough in our line for me to get here. And so if they could have survived, I come from that stock. And so I'm not bending. My grandmother didn't bend. My great-grandmother didn't bend. And I also know it pisses people off when I don't bend. 
do not give the satisfaction of the teardown to folks. Right. Because that's what it's meant to do. That's it's right. meant that's right. not for me. It's meant for the next black woman who aspires to a space that we occupy. The intimidation is never about the individual. Right. The intimidation is about the community. Right. And I just use that as motivation. So the best revenge is success. Absolutely. And there's one more part of our conversation I want to play for y'all that really reminded me that ambition is a game of balance. In the beginning, Cheryl, I was 24-7. Every event, every luncheon, every dinner, every that I was invited to, I would go because I felt so responsible to having people see me. I wanted every black girl to see me. I didn't care what school it was. I didn't care how bad the lunch was. Like (laughs) I was never turning down an invitation. And then my children took a toll because Mm. it was, I remember my youngest saying to me, you know, you're always talking about the people of Cook County. Where do we live? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And she, with sincerity, how do, how do we get the level of attention that you say you want to give to the people? That went right to the heart. It killed me. It killed me. Because these, these are my people. Right. And I was not there for them. So that you feel a sense of, as a mother, what am I sacrificing? As a wife, um, you, know, you know, I had a husband who had, you know, where's my wife? You know, I have friends who once upon a time we could go and kick it um, and not worry about someone having a phone. That's right. Not worrying about people recording you. Um, And so it got very isolating. But at what point do you have to prioritize your soul? It is evolving. I mean, I, I... We'll say that the pandemic, for all of the awfulness that it brought, it did afford me a chance to sit still for a minute. Amen for that. And so as the pandemic has started, you know, as we start to resume life as normal, my life is not at all how it was when I started five years ago. I have been less apologetic about saying, you know what, I need time. So you're not ripping and running, going to every event no, and every dinner. I have embraced, no, I have embraced that doesn't serve me. There you go. I'm in service to people, but it doesn't serve me to be performative for performative sake. Right. I don't want, well, you know, well, Kim, people are expecting to see you. Am I contributing something? Am I, is, am I a value add or is it just so that my name could be yes. in Politico? Because if that's the case, y'all know me. I've been around. You, right. you know how to find me. <laughs> right. um, I'm with my kid. That's what I'm talking about. Does it have to be this hard? It doesn't. I think we have accepted, again, for the ancestral history that we have, believing that if they had to go through that, then who am I? And someone had said to me, they would have wanted to rest. And perhaps their legacy is that you get to rest. Mm. That wow. their legacy is that you don't have to toil right. as hard. And I think for me, 
it is, there is a voice in my head that, that says it's, it's a tension. Girl, you got to get this legacy going. You got to do, you, you got to move. And then another voice that is very tender that says, are you proud of the things that you've already done? Mm. Are you taking a moment to breathe in what you've accomplished? And if you did nothing more, would you feel good? Mm. And that allows for me to temper the thing that I feel like I have to prove, to prove anything to anybody anymore. And I recognize that my ambition has never been about proving something, but truly trying to live in a purpose that was beyond myself. And I, and, and mm. that I think will afford me the, the ticker that says it's time to rest. I love that word tenderness. Black women don't see enough of that. No. And I think we have to say it. Yes. I get beat up a lot. I know. I get beat up. I get beat up a lot. And I can take a punch. But I also can take a hug. really feel a certain way about her that is so different from what I'm hearing right now. Like, the person that I have shaped in my mind for her to be is differing from what I'm hearing right now. Here's the thing about ambition in Black women. It took another Black woman to see in her what she could not see for herself. So what's the magic in all of that? What, what kind of magic did you hear in that conversation? I can tell you what I heard. I heard the magic of resilience. I heard the magic of transformation. And I heard the magic of grace. I also heard the magic of resilience. And I just, what resonated with me the most was not giving anyone the satisfaction of the teardown. I like that. What I took away from it is this was the first time I've heard her voice. Like, I don't think I've heard her voice before, which is strange, I guess. Maybe I don't watch the news enough, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even though we know who's leading us, we may see it on paper, we also have to believe in them to a certain extent. You got to look at that person that's going to lead you, and you have to feel like they're doing what's in your best interest. And so... She may have that drive because she grew up feeling like I didn't have the representation I needed. So perhaps she's in the position she's in now to try to provide that for other people. That's a wrap for our first episode, y'all. Thanks for rocking with us. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to tune in every Friday for your dose of When Magic Happens. Special thanks to our guest, Kim Fox, for joining us today. You can find more about her and her work at cookcountystatesattorney.org or find her on Twitter at Kim Fox. And you can find me, Jennifer Shay Love Long, on Instagram at Being Shay Love. You can find me, Cheryl Jackson, on Instagram at Cheryl Jackson. That's Cheryl with an E. And you can find me, Taylor Coward, on Instagram at Taylor Coward Online. 
When Magic Happens is a production of WBEZ Chicago. Our truly magical producer is Brianna Garrett. Kevin Dawson is our executive producer. Tracy Brown is chief content officer. Engineering by Dave Miska and Haley Blomquist. See y'all next week. Bye.